Hey friends, and welcome to this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. This is your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a counterterrorism professional turned career coach, speaker, and Forbes blogger, and I created the U-Turn Podcast because, let's face it, every now and again, we realize that we're living life on autopilot, and it's time to wake up and make that U-Turn in your life. So prepare to go deep with some of the most transformational people I know, here to help you grow and upgrade your mindset, whether it's in work or love. Also, be sure to stick around for the end of every episode where I'm going to reflect on the conversation and offer actionable coaching insights to have a real impact on your life. In the meantime, we've opened up access to three free e-courses on uturnpodcast.com. So head on over there if you want to land a new job you love, find your purpose, or launch your dream business. All of these courses are totally free. All you got to do is head on over to uturnpodcast.com. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N podcast.com. Now let's get started with this week's guest. The average American throws away, ready? Oh God. 70 pounds of clothing each year. What? 70 pounds. Hey friends, it's Ash here and I have such a treat for you today. There is Jane Mosbacher-Morris is on the podcast. She's the CEO of To The Market, which is a company that connects ethical suppliers with brands, retailers, and corporations around the world. Essentially for me, when I go to her website, it feels like I'm at anthropology, but actually buying things that make a difference in the world. She's also the author of Buy the Change You Want to See, Use Your Purchasing Power to Make the World a Better Place. Um, and, you know, personally, I think a lot of you might be surprised. I met Jane 10 years ago when I was looking to work in counterterrorism in D.C. She was one of the friendly souls who saw me struggling in my job hunt and went out of her way to sit down, look at my resume. And at the time, she was working at the State Department um, working in counterterrorism. So, Jane, you have so much to offer, so much to talk about. And that's why I figured for all of you listening, we would talk about some small changes you can make to actually help the environment in a really big way. Because I know we're all kind of looking at the environmental situation and we're not really sure what to do with it. So Jane, before we even dive in, hi, thanks for being here. Hi, I'm so happy to be chatting about this book and catching up. This is so fun. So fun. And I feel like I've I've just had you in so many ways in my life. It's so exciting that to see you write a book and really step into being an author and helping the world. I would love to know like what inspired this book because you've had so many different experiences. It's so interesting. And I think for me, this journey has been such a reflection of being open to what the universe presents to you because I am super ambitious and I am a total planner, but I never had writing a book like on my five, 10, 15 year plan. So the fact that like, here I am, you know, with a book is just really interesting to me. And it's been such a lesson in being open to what opportunities present themselves and, and really what happened is that um, when I started to the market, I had a literary agent approach me and say, what you're doing is really interesting. Have you thought about writing the book, writing a book? And of course, my answer was, well, no, <laughs> no, I have not. <laughs> and um, as, you know, as the business progressed, I felt sort of more and more 
excited about the prospect of making um, the thesis behind the business, which is that all of us every single day spend money. And if we think about who we spend money with and what kind of world we're trying to create with the money we're spending, we can have a serious impact on other people and on the planet. And so this idea of harnessing your purchasing power became more and more sort of crystallized for me. And I finally thought, you know what, let's get it out there and let's tell this story so that, you know, people around the world can feel um, empowered with their everyday purchases. Just like taking a pause, I feel like you have had so many unique experiences in your life. So I mean, those of you listening, when I met Jane, she was in her early 20s. She had a lot of responsibility in your role at the State Department. And I feel like it would be so interesting to kind of have you share like where you started and why you created this company and how it evolved. Because I remember meeting up with you in D.C. after you and I had both kind of left you know, the government on some level, and you were drawing sketches for the to the market website of you as a cartoon. And there's just so much that's happened. So I'm curious if you could kind of take everybody back in your story about where you began and why. Yeah, totally. So I started as, as you mentioned, my career, like in college, I'm working in counterterrorism at the State Department. And you got a job offer as a college student, which I think is yes. really cool. Like your, it was your senior year or was it your junior year? So I was an intern my junior year, like starting my junior year. And then I ended up getting hired my senior year. So I was working essentially full-time my senior year. This is of course in DC. And, um, I loved national security. Like I was a hundred percent positive that I was going to stay in that field forever and ever. Amen. And, um, what interestingly enough happened is I started doing a lot of work overseas and spending time on the ground with people that were being impacted by terrorism and something that became so clear to me in so many different environments in so many different countries was that people were really interested in the dignity of work, meaning that they felt like. Um, they could have so much more power, so much more influence over the direction of their country, their community, their family, if they had job opportunities, which was not what I was expecting to hear when, you know, when, when I started doing this work and it just sparked this, um, sort of interest in me to understand, well, gosh, well, how does one create and sustain a job then? Like, especially in really difficult communities. And I certainly didn't know the answer. So I did um, an MBA at Columbia while I was still at the State Department. And along the way, I had started spending a lot of time as it relates to terrorism with women. So I went to go work for the Secretary's Office of Global Women's Issues. And ultimately, you know, sort of fell in love with this idea of job creation, job sustainment, and that being a really powerful way to not only create peace, but also to specifically um, empower women and empower vulnerable communities in a way that I felt like my previous work just wasn't as wasn't doing as effectively. So long story short, I decided, you know, to 
to create jobs in the retail industry where there are people around the world who are creating products that want to have these products get to the United States and to the market specifically connects these ethical suppliers that I spent time with on the ground to consumers, to brands, to retailers um, here in the United States. It's There's so much here, Jane. I mean, first of all, it's just so fascinating, I think, to make career changes and to start a business. And I know we're going to get into some small changes that everybody can do to help the environment. And I'm also just resonant with what you're saying about jobs, because I remember when you were at the State Department and I was at the Pentagon, um, how often I would hear from everybody working with me that the Taliban and its you know, continuing had so much to do with the socioeconomic situation and jobs. And so I, I get it. And I'm also curious to understand how did you get the courage to start? Because I know a lot of ladies and also some cool evolved gentlemen too who are listening, they are probably wondering this exact question because I think that making that pivot out of a stable job and career path into starting a business. I think a lot of people listening have a cause that they really care about and it sounds like very dreamy to start a business around it. So how did you do that? You know, it's so fun to me that um, people get excited about different causes. And I like, I have so many conversations with people about like, how should I spend my time, um, you know, in service or how can I help other people? Like my job is a nine to five sort of like big business. And I love that. Um, there are so many ways that people can give back. And for me, what, it became clearer and clearer that that I needed to do this outside of an existing organization. Like for me to create and sustain jobs and connect ethical suppliers with brands, retailers, and corporations, like I needed to do this by myself. And again, talk about the universe presenting opportunity to you. Like I never would have imagined when I started my career in counterterrorism that I would start a business, let alone a retail business. But I think I had the courage to start it because my passion for the issue of job creation was so significant. And I would say anybody who wants to start a business or to start a nonprofit, like your desire to solve the issue you're trying to address with your business or your, your nonprofit has to be burning up inside you. And it has to be burning up inside you because starting anything is so hard takes so much work that unless you are just like on fire to work on that issue, it, I I would advise you to like join someone else Mm. um, who's already trying to do it because it is such a sacrifice. And, um, but if you do have that fire, like you will have the courage to step out and do it because it's just burning you up. First of all, I'm just like loving you inside because you really are walking the walk. And I'm thinking about it on how You are helping people get jobs on a macro level through your company. And by the way, guys, if you haven't checked out to the market on Instagram, um, it's let's go TTM, right, Jane? The Instagram. Okay, perfect. And then also, um, Jane, it's so funny. Like I see you like in the fields 
picking your vendors out for the website. Like you are in real time doing the work to find these ethical suppliers. And it's so much fun to watch you on your trips. But even for me personally, like I was a sad case when I moved to DC. I could, I did not know how to get a job. And you really were like one of the most helpful people helping me get a job. Like you sat me down on your entire lunch break multiple times, went through my resume, lectured me like, Ashley, no, you're going to negotiate. You're going to stand for your worth. So you really do walk the walk with empowerment. And I'm so curious for everybody listening. I know that you have some small changes that can help the environment in a big way. And before we get into those, I would love if you could paint a picture of what is going on in the environment, because I think that issues like global warming, climate change, the environment, it feels so big that I think it's tempting for people, even who want to know about it, to check out because it's just so overwhelming and there's so much we can do. And there's a lot of misunderstandings about what is going to move the needle. So really curious to hear from you and for everybody listening, like what is the current state of the environment in your perception? This is such like a, a big, big topic. And you're totally right. It is like, it's so big that it can lead to like major analysis paralysis to the point where we're like, oh my gosh, it's so big that I really can't do anything to, mm-hmm. to influence it. So I'm going to do nothing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like so common and so understandable because it does feel so over. I mean, it's literally like a, a planetary problem. Mm-hmm. So like major, major, major. Um, one of the chapters in the book by the change is literally about like these micro changes that we can make to positively impact the environment, all related to purchasing power And I really wanted to include a chapter on um, how we can positively impact the environment because we as consumers um, are are majorly, majorly impacting it, especially as it relates to creating waste, which is so, um, so interesting um, that we're at a time where we are just like proliferating, especially as Americans, like we are creating so much waste and it's sort of nutty. So there is um, a New York times article that talks about how literally the average American throws away ready. Oh God. 70 pounds of clothing each year, 70 pounds, 70 pounds of clothing. How does that even work? Like, what are we doing? Like just things we don't want to wear anymore. It, I mean, like it, it's things we don't want to wear. It's other textiles. So it could be like shoe bags or like, oh, I don't need like I've worn I've had this, um, you know, undershirt forever and I can't give it away. So it's going in the trash. Oh, my God. I mean, but 70 pounds, if you think each American on average is like throwing away 70 pounds of clothing and textiles a year like that is like bananas. Mm. It is a like incredible incredible, incredible amount. And what does that mean for the environment throwing away that much clothing? So like what's, what's really tough about textile waste is that like a massive majority of it ends up in landfills or Mm. in incinerators. Mm. And what, like what to me was such an interesting realization when I was writing this chapter, I found this quote, which like is so simple, but it really summarized it for me. It's by the sustainability advocate, um, this woman named Annie Leonard. And she literally like so simple. She just says, there is no such thing as a way. 
when we throw anything away, it must go somewhere. Mm. And it's like so true. Like it is such a real, like it was such a like light bulb for me. It's like, yes, I'm getting like this bag of trash out of my apartment, but like it's going somewhere else on this planet. And Mm. that realization to me really sparked an interest in me addressing like what are little ways that in my like everyday life, especially as it relates to like me buying stuff. Cause that's then leading to the proliferation of additional waste. Cause then I'm throwing things away um, or bringing th- like new things into my household. Mm. Like what are things that I can do like every day that make a difference? And like we came up it, it, like in the book, we have tons of like edible, easy ways for people to say like, Oh, I could just like start doing this. And collectively like that can begin to have a positive impact and just to like even further this when you talk about okay we have like I have 70 pounds of clothes that I'm not going to use and I'm cringing inside because I love clothes so I'm like "Eh, am I doing even worse than 70 pounds yeah (laughs) um so when we're thinking about that um let's say I take my 70 I probably have 100 now that if that's the average I'm above average which is making me cringe what does that mean about my imprint on the environment? Like, what am I, I, I get that it goes to a landfill and how is that hurting the environment? Like, what's the outcome of it? I, I feel like everybody listening, it's so hard to grasp what the loss is on the planet when we do this. So how can we understand that even more? Yeah. So landfills um, are it's so really- funny. A, a trash a truck just went by my office window as we talk about this. Perfect. Yeah. The universe is like, it's, yeah, sending you signs. Um, landfills are super interesting and it, I've learned a lot more about landfills because as you know, my husband yeah. runs like a green waste and recycling company mm-hmm. and something that was like so super interesting for me to learn about landfills. Cause I've tend to like, he has always gravitated first towards like environmental challenges and I've always gravitated more towards like social challenges, meaning like people, like how are people being affected? And what really moved me about landfills were a couple of things. Um, One is the fact that they tend to be built in low-income areas. Um, And so, like, they they predominantly exist in in areas where there isn't a lot of money. And it tends to have, then, a ripple effect in the community where housing, um, the price of housing tends to go down. And um, it sort of becomes this sort of, like, eyesore or, um, even like nose sore, like in the community. And to me, that was super interesting to see how like immediately it's affecting these low income communities that, um, you know, where these landfills are, are being placed, but everything that we're putting in the landfill, um, ultimately like is sort of soaking into the environment or is, um, generating, um, like gases that are then going into the atmosphere that we are then like breathing in or, Mm. um, are impacting our ozone. And so it's like, it gets back to that super simple Annie Leonard quote. It's like, it doesn't go away. Like it has to go somewhere. And it does even us putting it in the landfill. Like it doesn't just stay there. Like it soaks into the earth or like it, it evaporates into, you know, in, into, um, the ozone and it, it, begins to sort of circulate into our quality of life. Oh my God, this is just like, it's making me cringe thinking about a landfill soaking into the environment and putting gas into the air. And, you know, 
I think there's a lot of small things you can do to make a big difference. Um, but what are some big things people can do, products and buying the change they want to see aside. So I know that I've been hearing from vegans that or vegetarians that if you stop eating meat, that is probably the most massive impact you can make on the environment. Is that true to you, Jane? Or what What do you think is like some of the biggest changes? And then can we get into some small changes that make a big difference? Yeah, totally. I mean, big, big macro changes, um, are tough, right? Because it, it really, you know, as individuals, I think they're tough. I think, um, where, where we can see sort of big changes is when you're, you're looking at like massive businesses who are starting to operate differently. Mm-hmm. Um, meaning like manufacturing businesses or mining businesses or, um, even oil and gas. I mean, those are sort of like when you have, um, massive facilities that are potentially creating like pollution and, or, uh, sort of causing, um, issues when they're either like drilling or putting chemicals in the water or whatever it is, those tend to be like the sort of macro macro, changes that, that can make it, make a difference. Certainly if, if they are curbed, but as individuals, like big changes that we can make, I mean, a lot of them like ultimately can become big changes, but they are decisions that we have to make every day. So they start as small changes. Well, and Jane, I, I mean, I think, and I'm really excited to get into those. Cause I think that, you know, having written your book by the change you want to see, you know, a lot of small changes the collective can make. But what I'm finding just for me is that internally it feels hopeless. It feels like, okay, we all need to make these small changes or I'm going to do my part, but if I'm only as strong as everybody else doing their part. And so I'm curious, even if we make a small imprint, I know that there's a lot of environmental reports that are basically saying that if the atmosphere heats up as it looks like it will in the next 10 to 20 years, that it is going to be massive destruction. I'm curious, what are your thoughts on the government and its role in supporting these changes? And what are your thoughts about what we can then do to support? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's so interesting. So the Environmental Protection Agency, the EPA, it is an organization that, um, you know, ultimately was, was started under Nixon. And so it's, it's a relatively new agency, like in, in sort of the United States government. I think regulation is an important part of, of addressing and like climate change. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think it, it absolutely plays a role in, um, you know, making sure that like horrible toxins are not being like dumped into drinking water. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it has to be a part of a larger conversation with both the private sector and with individual consumers, meaning that, um, I think the private sector, meaning like businesses, I, I like to see businesses decide that they are going to take a stand and decide that they are going to commit to making environmental changes based on, you know, what they think is best for um, their investors, for their employees, and ultimately for their consumers. And the reason I really like to see it come from the private sector when possible is because then you get the ownership and the buy-in of the operator rather than 
you know, something being mandated on you. And not to say that like the EPA shouldn't have mandates. Um, uh, there's absolutely a role for that, but I think like the highest and best scenario is when, you know, I as a business, yeah, decide that I'm going to commit to these changes because I think it's the right thing to do. Mm. And because I'm like financially driven by, you know, gosh, if I want to continue to perform well in the stock market or I continue to want to have like investment from, you know, private investors, like I'm going to start operating this way rather than that way. And I like that because I think it's the most sustainable way Mm. to make change because what happens, you know, if it's just the EPA and you don't have the buy-in from the private sector is that, um, you know, regulations can be rolled back, right? So different administrations have different approaches to regulation. Um, so, you know, those can be rolled back. And then you, you know, sometimes have like serious resentment from, from the business if there hasn't been that buy-in because they feel like, you know, they weren't consulted or, um, you know, the ultimately the regulation is unfair because it's hurting their ability to operate. So I think, you know, the regulation is a part of the conversation, Um, but how do we get the buy-in with the private sector? How do we get the buy-in? Because I know that private companies, you know, I know as an entrepreneur, I'm looking at my bottom line all the time. And sometimes there's certain decisions, um, for example, hiring in the United States versus hiring overseas. There was a period in my business where if I didn't hire overseas, I would have gone out of business because I couldn't afford American labor. And so I'm curious, you know, what can we do as consumers to pass this message on to private companies? Because whenever I think of the environmental person, I think of like the one person in college who wore like eco-friendly outfits and it kind of felt like a drop in an otherwise massive ocean that wasn't doing the same. Um, so, totally. you know, yeah. it's like, oh, go girl, like awesome with your eco outfit. You are the only right. one and it is not helping the environment because there's too many of us that don't care. So I'm curious, totally. like, what can we do as consumers? And I think a lot of influencers right now, that's the world we live in. Um, how can we get that message across to private companies? And what can we do as a collective for private companies to really get it? Because I'm already thinking of so many private businesses that like this is this has got to be the last thing on their personal gen- agenda and one of the top things on their you know reputation management agenda. Totally. I mean, this is where like the buy the change thing comes in. And that is like you have the ability to either what I like boycott companies, not like literally like pick it, although if you want to go for it, but <laughs> you're like, like, and this is uh, what I'm going to mention that we are about to do a flash mob outside of yeah, Coca-Cola exactly. or God knows totally. where else. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So you have the ability to like, not like spend money with a company that you think is like not operating in a way that you feel good about for the environment. And then you have the idea, the ability to buy cod. and buy cod is the idea that like, I am going to frequent your business because I believe in what you're doing. And like, to me, that is, that is the most, most powerful thing that you can do to communicate with a business. I mean, businesses exist based on like whether customers are engaging with them Mm. by engaging. I mean, spending money, Mm -hmm. like spending money with them. Mm -hmm. So if you believe in how a business is operating and you like some of the changes that they're making, start servicing them more, like start using them more. 
if you think somebody's like completely blowing it and like being a total bad actor, like stop using them. Is there That's a website the thing you can do? Like what, what are the resources for us to figure it out? Like I wish there's a website so that if I wanted to buy clothing today online, I could, you know, type in something I want to buy and see if it's ethically sourced, you know, like I don't feel like there's, are there resources out there that actually help educate us on what we can make purchases with to help the environment? Totally. So, I mean, as it relates to, um, sort of ethical and responsible production writ large, my absolutely like favorite tool is know the chain. Hmm. Um, and it's knowthechain.org and you can literally look up like big businesses that are in a couple of different um, sectors, so information and communication, technology, food and beverage, apparel and footwear. And you can see how these big businesses that like you and I all know, it could be like Gap or it could be Starbucks, like what, what they are doing as it relates to everything from um, trying to be responsible with the people in their supply chain, like as in, you know, how are they being paid? Can they communicate freely and express themselves to environmental footprint? So like, I think that's a super, super powerful, super powerful tool. Hey, U-Turners, so sorry for the quick interruption, but I want to make sure you know that this episode has been brought to you by the Job Offer Academy, our e-course to help you land a new job you love. So if you're sick of applying for jobs and never hearing back, and you'd like to try a free version of our job hunting course, just head on over to U-TurnPodcast.com slash job offer. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N podcast.com slash job offer. Now let's get back to this week's episode. But then also like brands, brands, retailers, and corporations like of all stripes, like they are increasingly having, you know, having to publish what they're doing, whether it's like on sort of corporate social responsibility or they're talking about it in their marketing. I mean, the number of corporate social responsibility reports for Fortune 500s is like almost close to 90% of Fortune 500s are, are publishing these. Wow. Which is a huge, huge, huge leap because it was something like 20%, like just less than a decade ago. Wow. So like massive, massive growth. And if we want to be informed consumers, like we can, we should get online and like read just a little bit about like, what is this company doing to address this issue that I care about? Yeah. Oh my God. And So, I mean, everybody listening right now, we are consumers. And so other than buying your book and learning how we can buy the change we want to see, which I'm so excited to read, um, you know, because I know it's coming out right now. I'm curious to also learn what are some small changes in everybody's everyday purchases that we can make to really help the environment? Because I'm one of those people that when I make a decision, I execute on it. And it's hard for me to make decisions when I'm not crystal clear, you know, like, what are these things? And sometimes I'm like, okay, recycling, like, how much is it really helping that I do it? I think it's helping, you know, it feels like a shot in the dark. So what are some slam dunks that are easy for everybody to start doing from today onwards that will make a really good impact on the environment and that they can share with their friends in a way where they're at dinner tonight and 
it comes up that they listen to this episode and it's like, hey, did you know that you could just stop doing this, 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 and it's no big deal, no sweat off your back, and you're really helping the environment for the rest of your life? Totally. And I love, like, I love micro changes Mm -hmm. because if it's like massive lifestyle, like I'm not going to buy, you know, another piece of clothing for the rest of the year, like that's really hard. And it's like, it's tough to stick to. So I like, like tiny little things that I can do that collectively become a much bigger thing. So, um, here are a handful of things that like I have committed to, um, that I like feel really good about that are super easy. Um, so one is I've become more of like a bulk buyer, like meaning like when I go to the grocery store, like instead of getting like five little individual bags of like almonds, like I will go to the little section where you can like put a bunch of almonds in a big bag Mm. and it's like so super simple. So like I, it's less plastic, fewer containers used. And like most of the time it's actually less money. Like Mm. it looks less pretty, right? It's not in like my pretty little almond bag, but like I'm getting the almonds I need or like I'm getting the nuts or whatever it is that I need. And, um, like I am, you know, not, not creating as much plastic waste. So Mm. that's like a super easy one bulk buying. Um, you can do it for so many different things, nuts, grains, granola, candy, popcorn. I mean, just almost every single grocery store like has those sections. I would say like start frequenting those sections. Another one that I do is, um, I bring my own like cup or bottle, like literally everywhere. Mm. So like if it's water, like literally just bringing reusable reusable bottle with me, like super simple. It's amazing how many like airports and hotels and corporate offices have created like super easy water fountains where I can refill a bottle. Mm. Um, so that keeps me from, you know, constantly buying new water bottles. And then similarly, like for coffee, like I always, always have coffee with me. I drink like 9,000 cups a day. I literally take <laughs> highly me, caffeinated. Like, I am always highly caffeinated. Uh, but yeah, but I am a coffee devotee. Um, I always have my own coffee cup. Like mm-hmm. I always have a traveler with me and I like, there are a gazillion you can buy. My favorite is, uh, actually from target. It is like made out of, um, recycled plastic. It's by Aladdin and it is like, that's the brand. Mm -hmm. Um, and I literally like take them with me everywhere. Um, so that's super simple. Um, another is like, I say like, just say no. Mm -hmm. And it's like, just say no to the simplest things. So like one is like, I order food all the time because I'm like totally tragic in the kitchen. And so I literally have a note in like my order apps, like whether it's Uber Eats or it's Postmates, like do not bring me silverware, like Mm. do not bring me plastic silverware, like I, or like napkins, like I have my own. think like it's little things like that where it's like, I don't need it. You know, it's going in the trash. Like they're going to throw it in the bag if you don't say anything, but it's, it doesn't cost you a dime to, to ask them not to bring it. Um, so like, just say no to things like that. I say no to tissue. Like when I'm buying clothes and I buy clothes all the time, I love clothes. Um, I like, I would say like 80% of the time do not have tissue wrapped around it. Like, which is totally like, we don't need it. And then like, 
I would say close to hundred percent of the time, like I don't need a bag from the store. Mm-hmm. Like I usually like just put the product in my purse, which again, is like so super easy. Like I, I know it's like cool to like have the bag, but it's like, yeah, but then you're going to throw it away. And like, it's not, it's total waste. It's, total waste. Like mm-hmm. I can just shove it in my, shove it in my purse. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so those are just like a handful. And like, lastly, like it's like the like age old, like hippie move, but like bring your own bag to the grocery store. Yeah, totally. And you know, there's so many groovy ones that you can buy now. Like so many cool, like little tote bags that like just bring one and then you're not like using all the plastic bags. Mm. And I know that there's a lot we can do to just make these little micro changes, but what are some things that everybody's up to outside of having 70 pounds of clothing as trash per year? (laughs) Um, What are some things that people are up to that maybe we don't realize we are so hurting the environment and we don't even realize it? Because I know like, for example, I'm staying with a friend and we, you know, I keep seeing water bottles and it's like, instead of refilling it. So I know that a lot of people don't realize, like if you have a bunch of water bottles in your house, like that is so damaging for the environment to keep drinking them and throwing away the plastic. So what can you suggest for everybody? Cause I know that we're so into our conveniences that we're not realizing some of the things we're doing. Yeah. I mean, that's like, it's been super interesting to see how like as life has become more and more convenient that like we have created more and more waste and actually like plastic is such a like an like an interesting case study because when they created plastic like when they invented plastic it literally was like this magical invention like it like people thought like we had like literally hung the moon with the creation of plastic because it replaced like so many other materials. It made things so much easier for so many families. It made things less expensive, which is all like great. Um, but what we like didn't realize is like how overused it has become and what it's like ultimately doing for the environment because it's so hard to get rid of. Like it is so, so, so difficult to like meaningfully get rid of plastic. And so, I mean, when I think of like, how can I reduce my plastic consumption? Like that, again, it gets back to some of those changes we talked about. Like if you're buying something um, and you can get away with like not having the plastic container associated with it or like somehow like having it come in a different type of material like paper, um, I would opt in for those because the, the amount of plastic that we as households throw away is like 10 X the amount of textiles, um, we throw away. And, uh, it, it, it's having, I guys, I'm sure most of you guys have seen, like just even seeing it manifest in the ocean is like so heartbreaking, mm-hmm. so, so heartbreaking. And so like, even like just saying no or like opting into like a different container when it's like possible yeah, is all, you know, it's all upside. Yeah. This is totally reminding me of like on Facebook. I remember seeing one of those ocean videos where like a tortoise had like plastic stuck in its nose and it like couldn't move and the tortoise was bleeding and it was, or not a tortoise, it's like a turtle. And 
It was so heartbreaking to watch and it brought up the same feeling. Like, what the hell do I do? Like, okay, I'll stop drinking water bottles. Sometimes it feels silly, you know, like, okay, I'm just going to stop drinking out of water bottles and I'm going to start, you know, not putting tissue. I'm curious in your opinion, like for people who are like me or like you, or we go hard too, like we can do micro changes, but you and I, Jane, like we can also crush it with like, we're going to do something really big. That's going to make a difference. So what are a couple big changes that, you know, when people really take a look at their consumption or their impact on the environmental footprint that they can start doing or considering, like kind of going back to being a vegetarian or changing the kind of car that they drive? Um, what are a couple big hacks that you get excited about too? I think like, again, where we can personally contribute, like that can have like a much bigger imprint is like looking at actually like businesses and your influence within a business. Mm -hmm. So like most people don't know, for example, that like that people, um, and businesses, um, actually get, have choice on, for example, who like calls their waste and recycling and whether like recycling exists within their community. Mm. So, I mean, even little, like it sounds little, but it can have like a big impact, like literally asking like your apartment building or like your town council, like, Hey, who is our like waste and recycling provider? Like, are we, are we as a community like recycling? You can literally look at your city's website to see who's hauling your guard garbage. And then you can investigate whether that company recycles and if not, you can literally look for an alternative hauler in your area. I mean, and that is then like immediately creating like community wide impact. And it's like, just as in with your home, you can do the same thing for like your office building, like mm. literally make a case to the management of your like office building that like you want environmentally friendly, like waste removal and that you want to start recycling if they're not already recycling, like in that, in, um, in, in your office and that like that you've just like a hundred X any impact that you as an individual in your specific household can have. Mm, beautiful. And, you know, I think another question that I get really curious about is, you know, there's so many different ways we can make micro changes um, which one has been the easiest for you? And what do you think is the easiest one for everyone? Like no tissue when you're shopping, but I know not everybody's a huge shopper. Is there anything around gifts, coffee, chocolate, eco-friendly products um, for everybody to kind of consider? Yeah. I mean, I think like on, on the like sort of pro decision-making side, I think um, I mean, two have been sort of the easiest for me. So one has been one that we, we talked about, which is literally taking a water bottle and a coffee cup with me everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I like drink a massive amount of liquid and I have like purchased a, um, a handful of like super cute, reusable water and coffee cups that like I tote everywhere with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's been a super easy change. Um, another has been, literally now seeking out like eco-friendly materials, Mm. which are like super fun because there are all of these new materials being developed that like are, are new to the market. So like not only things like organic cotton, which is, has of course been around for a while, but like I've gotten super into organic cotton versus Mm. like conventional cotton, but also looking at like 
I've started buying material that's made out of literally recycled plastic bottles, Mm. which is so cool. So Hint Water, um, which I totally love Hint Water, they have a store that has like all of the super cool product that's made out of recycled plastic bottles, like these tote bags and like Mm. t-shirts and uh, like, I think that's super cool to specifically look for if you are going to buy something. Like, how can I buy something that's made of, like, an upcycled material or, like, an organic material? Mm. So that's been easy for me because I love to buy stuff. <laughs> oh, well, that's fun. You and I both, Jane. Well, yeah. I'm also – okay, so before I ask you about the book for everybody listening, because I think there's so much in there for everybody to really understand what the current state of affairs is when it comes to their consumer power and what they can really do – I'm curious, you know, I really loved what you said about how when you throw something away, there's no such thing as away. And mm-hmm. I'm curious, what other shockers did you experience as you were writing your book? Are there a couple other statistics that really threw you for a loop? I don't know if it was like statistics as much as like a realization that, you know, the more I travel and the more I spend time in other communities that are not um, as sort of economically developed as the U S the more I realize like how resourceful people are in other communities where they don't have a lot of money, Mm. um, which then makes me feel like a a little bit wasteful. Mm. Meaning like when I'm in Haiti, for example, and I absolutely adore Haiti, it is amazing what, the Haitian people, like how they use their trash and turn it into treasure, like the products they create, like the storage solutions, like they are so resourceful and are not only able to like create function, but they're also able to create like real value out of like things that are totally previously discarded. That to me, it's such a contrast of like, wow, like part of part of being thoughtful in like in resources is like when you have, when you have like less access to capital, like fewer resources, suddenly you become a lot more responsible in a lot of ways. And Mm -hmm. so it's really like been a reminder to me, like who is, I think like so many people, someone who like loves things that are convenient um, like totally loves the fact that like I can buy something now and it'll show up in like 30 minutes. Mm. Um, and like has the resources to do that, like to really take a step back and be like, am I being as creative as I can be about like how I'm using the resources I already have? Mm, and sometimes that manifests in like little stupid things. Like, do I really need to buy a new dress or can I like repurpose some of the clothes in my closet and come up with like a totally cool new outfit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's such a fun thing. Also, when you like discover clothes, you forgot you owned and you're like, I have a whole new outfit today that I forgot I got. Um, totally. Well, so for everybody listening who wants to read your book, what can they expect to experience, learn or take away with them after they're done reading? What I love about um, the book is that it is, I think, super, super accessible. And like the idea of making change through your purchasing power, like is, is a simple one, but one that I feel like maybe collectively as like a society, we haven't talked about as much. And so for me, like when people read the book, 
we want them to walk away with this idea that we routinely spend money on food, clothes, gifts, like indulgences, like business products. But that money that we're spending is an untapped superpower. And if we think a little bit and learn a little bit more about like how we can target the spending of that money, we can have a serious impact every single day on people and on the planet. Mm. And so the book covers like super common things that we spend money on. Yes, coffee, chocolate, apparel and shoes. And, you know, I, I think people will walk away even with like a handful of like maybe commitments that they feel like they are reasonable for them to make that aren't going to cost them necessarily any more money. That's going to make them think, you know what, I feel more empowered to make change. And I didn't have to like move to Africa and become a, you know, join the Peace Corps to, to make a positive impact. Mm, I love that. And, you know, just listening to you, I think that everyone, it, it starts with really understanding and ultimately we all go to bed with ourselves at night. So I think it's just from an integrity standpoint, how we feel about how we are contributing to the world, given that we're visitors here, we're not lifelong, you know, beyond the span of our lives, there's going to be other people on the planet. And I think sometimes we forget that. And so this has been so awesome. Where can everybody find you? Where can everybody go find your book? By the Change You Want to See is available in Target and Barnes and Noble nationwide in the United States and um, online at Target.com, Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com. So um, would would love, love, love for you to check out the book. Um, I really think people will walk away and think, you know what, there are like at least a handful of things that totally apply to me and where I am in my life. And, you know, I want to make a commitment to, to do my part. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jane. I just love you. Thanks for making the impact and being the person you are. Yeah, this was awesome. Hey friends, it's Ash here just unpacking the episode with Jane Mosbacher about the global warming and I'm just so excited and moved to be talking about this concept because it's become more and more close to my heart. And so I know some of you are probably wondering what is the global warming, what's going on? So in short, the global warming is the increase of the Earth's average surface temperature due to greenhouse gases that collect in the atmosphere kind of like a thickening blanket, and they're trapping the sun's heat and causing the planet to warm up. So the great thing about greenhouse gases is they keep the heat close to the Earth's surface and they make it survivable for humans and for animals. However, global warming is happening largely due to the fact that there's an over-emittance of these gases and fossil fuels. Um, And believe it or not, the amount of energy and the amount of heat that is going into the sky every single day is equivalent to four Hiroshima atomic bombs worth of heat every single second of every single day. That's how much energy and heat is going into the environment. Four Hiroshima atomic bombs worth of heat every second. Um, So the sky, if you can picture every second, four atomic bombs going off, is absorbing that kind of energy and heat. So what do we do when we all know that we are just visitors of this planet and that it doesn't belong to us and that we have a responsibility to take care of it and love it the way that 
it loves us because it just blows my mind when I think about life and when I think about things feeling off, I kind of take a look at nature and trust so much more. It's like when I feel like I'm not trusting the flow of my life, I look outside and I'm noticing, you know, how the acorn becomes an oak tree and how a cocoon becomes a butterfly and how flowers blossom at a certain time and wither at a certain time, how animals know when to go to a certain area of the world and when they migrate somewhere else. It's like there's this beautiful rhythm to nature and it's so abundant in the way that it provides food and water and all of these resources. It makes me sad that the response we have to this beautiful entity is destruction. So like I said, global warming is the increase of the Earth's average surface temperature. And I wanted to share something. I had just gone to a lecture. I think it was Al Gore giving it. And I'm not a political person, even though I worked in politics. Um, but I do know that global warming is not a political issue. We can politicize it, but it's really just a bunch of facts. And then I guess the politics is in deciding what we're going to do about it. Although it doesn't really seem like we have much of an option. So well, I love that Jane shared about the small steps we can take, like not asking for tissue in our gifts or having a reusable water bottle. I figured I would share some more options of what you can do to contribute so that you can kind of get in touch with yourself and decide what resonates, if anything. Um, I don't think there's a wrong answer, and I don't want to be in the business of right or wrong with global warming, but I want to share what I learned. And what I learned is that in the past year alone, in 2018 alone, 12 events happened that typically have a chance of happening only one time every thousand years. So process that. That's the Houston flood, the California fires, you know, the hurricane that caused flooding in Florida. I remember seeing the news, watching people drive to Georgia in the middle of that, people's houses flooding out. So these were disasters that required massive relief and resources. Um, think about Houston. Think about the fires in California. I know people who lost their homes both in Houston and in California. And these are things, each one of those had a chance of happening one out of 1,000 years. And 12 of them happened in 2018 alone. So pretty apocalyptic. And that's largely because of the global warming, among a few other elements. And the world has heat up 1.5 degrees and new research is showing and it was presented at the UN that scientists believe the chaos is going to intensify in unspeakable, unimaginable ways when we hit the two degree warm up mark, which looks like it is going to come if we continue at this pace in 10 to 20 years. So in 10 to 20 years, you know, thinking about those four atomic bombs worth of energy going off every second. Um, the earth is going to heat up um, to the two degree warm up mark. And, you know, of course, these fires break my heart. My family had to evacuate their home in California. I, I totally get the emotionality of losing your home and the reality that some insurance companies are going to nickel and dime you and you're not going to be able to afford a home again. Luckily, on my side, as it relates to that disaster, as we were, as my parents were evacuating their home, um, one of the things I've learned in my own journey is like not to be as attached to material things. So I didn't feel an attachment to our home. And luckily, we were, our parents were able to keep their home. And um, there's going to be so many more disasters that are so much beyond our imagination when the earth heats up to this level and we're not doing anything enough right now. And so I get that it's eventually going to become even more of a political issue. 
And obviously, you know, seeing news footage of farm animals running away when there's disasters like this or dying. And I mean, it just blows my mind to really get into it. Um, but what I'm really worried about, I think, is the apathy. And it's the apathy I, I see at a time where the damage is going to be irreversible. And that's what I, and it breaks my heart. Like I have the chills as I tell you this, that this planet that provides food and water and joy and life to us that we are just so committed to, uh, big businesses are so committed to being efficient and staying profitable, which I get, you know, I've been that business owner that needs to survive. And I get that it's expensive sometimes for them to contribute to the environment. So I figured instead of talking about them and what they should do, um, I would rather just get empowered and talk to you about what you can do and what I can do so we can all just make decisions of what feels like the right move. So here are some steps you can take. And I will just give you right now the disclaimer that the biggest step you can take is to become a vegetarian. And I'm not um, personally a full-on vegetarian. I definitely have eaten less meat since I found out about this. But I would say... Um, you know, I eat more fish than ever because cows specifically are one of the biggest contributors to global warming, um, like mind-blowing amount. So what can you do? Number one, you can get an energy-efficient car, you know, and as my swaggy little SUV is coming to an end on its lease, I will be getting an energy-efficient car like a Prius or something. Um, reduce your own use of energy. So what does that mean? It means turning off the lights when you leave a room. Uh, number three is unplug appliances when you're not using them. You know, that actually is one of the biggest culprits is that we leave all of our plugs in. Um, number four is invest in appliances that have that special EPA Energy Star Award for using less, less electricity. Number five is use the carpool lane. Drive with your friends. Uh, number six, like Jane said, reuse water bottles. Um, you know, have a reusable bottle. Stop buying new water bottles. Stop buying plastic. Stop stocking up your refrigerator with them. Um, number seven is check your air conditioner filters. You know, sometimes we're cleaning our air with dirty filters and it's actually adding several pounds of carbon dioxide to the environment every year. Of course, number eight is a tough one. Stop showering for so long. Some of you are lower maintenance than others with this. Um, and number nine, stop idling your car. So if you're waiting outside for somebody and they're going to be 20 minutes, turn off your car. Um, the energy it's omitting is really uh, damaging. And of course, like I said, number 10, eat less cow meat. They're such a big contributor. Um, number 11, use a kitchen cloth instead of paper towels. And number 12, reuse your towels. So this is just, you know, some of the many things that people can do. And I know that a lot of them are not that difficult. Um, but ultimately, I've just heard time and time again that becoming vegetarian or eating less meat is probably one of the biggest game changers. So that's probably the direction I'm going to be going. And I've heard insane statistics, you know, about that. I was watching a documentary in recent months about the global warming, and it really, really surprised me um, what percent of farmland and land in the United States is taken up by raising cows and how their manure is omitting in a way that is just so bad for the environment. And there's documentaries on Netflix you can watch, um, but I think ultimately it just comes down to you getting connected to whatever does your part or whatever feels like it. Um, but rearing cattle, just so you know, produces more greenhouse gases than driving cars. That's what the UN has warned. So um, it's, it's pretty insane. Animal agriculture is responsible for 51% of human causes for climate change. 51% is caused by animal agriculture 
Raising animal for foods is responsible for 30% of the Earth's water consumption. So just us raising animals to eat is taking up 30% of water in the world. And it occupies 45% of the Earth's land. Um, and believe it or not, raising animals is responsible for 91% of the destruction in the Brazilian Amazon. And it's the leading cause for ocean dead zones, species extinction, and so much more. So, I mean, obviously this kind of stuff is pretty mind-blowing and surprising. And um, I'm just doing my part and sharing everything I'm learning with you in hopes that it inspires you in the way that it's inspired me. So thanks so much for tuning in. Like I said, Jane was, I just think it's so much fun to be watching her now with her book, By the Change You Wish to See Out, because when I met her, she was a counterterrorism advisor at the State Department, and I was trying to get into that industry. And, she, you know, it's so interesting to hear her talk about how much she believes in helping people get jobs, because she walked the walk like that for me in 2009, 2010, 2011, when I met her when I was job hunting. She sat down with me, a random woman, one of my random cold emails that I teach in my job offer academy course. And, she, you know, I know a lot of you guys are in the job offer academy and are doing your cold emails now for your networking and your job hunt. She was one of my cold emails and she just said, hey, come to the State Department at lunch and let me show you and help me rewrite my resume and taught me so many things. And it's just so beautiful to see her now as an entrepreneur really making an impact. And I really believe that strong entrepreneurs can solve so many problems. If you think about the global warming and so many other issues that have to do with our health or with money or with the environment, businesses have the power to completely change the course of our world surviving something like this before the damage is irreversible. And to know that there are entrepreneurs out there like Jane really moves me that she's like so committed to making sure that we have a better world. And I know that that kind of commitment isn't for everyone, but I know that we all at least want a better world. So thanks again for listening. It's Ashley Stahl signing off. And I am so excited to hear from you on Instagram. Hit me up on the gram at Ashley Stahl. Let me know what changes you're making if you're inspired to do any. I know I've made a lot. And yeah, thanks for listening to U-Turn Podcast. As always, this has been really a magical way to launch the smarts category for a monthly episode on how to help educate you on world issues. Take care. Thanks again for tuning into this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. We keep really detailed show notes at U-TurnPodcast.com. So if our guest mentioned a book or a resource that you're interested in, you'll be able to find that there. In the meantime, if you were inspired by this episode, if it made an impact in your life, we would be so grateful if you subscribed and posted a review for us on iTunes. Rumor has it on the street, the more reviews we get, the more subscribes we get, the more we can grow and get our impact out there in the world. In the meantime, I'd love to hear from you at Ashley Stahl on Instagram. I'm so grateful for connecting and I look forward to next week's episode.